Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. If you are thinking about joining us on our journey through the Bible, I want to remind you that's actually found on our app, so you can go to ccsouthbay forward slash dot org or dot org forward slash app, and we'll have a reading plan on there that you can download and follow with us along this journey through this coming year in reading the Bible, and we want to encourage you to do that. Many people, it's strange, but many people who claim the name of the Lord Jesus have never actually read the entire Bible. So this is a way for you to do that. We want to encourage that because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? And so if you'd open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, we're going to be completing our series on the promises that we have in God's word and our hope. And today, where is your hope? We're beginning a new year. This is the first Sunday of 2021. And we want to begin with a message of hope. Where is your hope? Would be the question for each of us today. Uh, if your hope is in, say, the COVID vaccine, um, you're probably going to be disappointed. If your hope is in solving all the problems that we have going on in our government right now, again, I doubt that your hope is going to be very stable. If your hope is in the stock market, same thing could be said. If your hope is even uh, in, in our form of government, democracy versus communism or some other thing, if your hope is in anything today, save the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, your hope is going to be misplaced. And so this morning, I want to take just a, a 45 minutes or so and speak 10 things into your life regarding the hope that we should have as we enter this new year. In other words, where is your hope if it's not in the Lord Jesus? My hope, our hope, is firmly anchored in the Lord Jesus. And we need to start this new year with a different set of expectations and goals with the promises of heaven in view, not the promises of the other things that we might uh, be tempted to place our our hope in. And remember that biblical hope is not like the world's hope. Biblical hope is a confident expectation of an expected end. In other words, it's not in any way, shape, or form with uncertainty that we hope. It is in certainty that we hope for these things because we are God's children and we are one day going to enter into that heavenly rest. And so would you pray with me? We'll pick up in verse 13 of Philippians 3 and a message that is, where is your hope for 2021? Father, thank you. Lord, we've come as your children again just into your house, grateful to have a a warm place with a roof over our head, won't be damp, won't be foggy. Uh, Lord, comfortable pews to sit in where we can hear your word. And so we thank you for the little things, Lord, being able to gather together inside of a building. But Lord, our hope is not in this building. 
It's certainly not in me. Our hope is in you, Jesus. And so fill our hearts with your hope, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 13, Philippians 3. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Would you hover there for a minute? Now, I've been walking with the Lord, been in ministry for more than three decades. I think there's some things I know about walking with Jesus. I believe there's some things that I probably do fairly well with regard to my walk with the Lord. But I want to agree with the Apostle Paul here, and I pray that you all can agree with this as well. I really have not yet apprehended all the things that the Lord wants to do in my life. I've not laid hold of all the things that God wants to do in my own personal life. We as a church have not yet apprehended all the things that God has for us while we're here on this earth. There is still a ways to go. There are still things to do. There are things that we still need to grow in. If we are going to go, we need to grow. If we're going to go, we need to grow, church. If we're going to do something different, if we're going to be better, if we're going to press on as we're going to see here in a a moment, then I have to resign myself to the fact I have not yet fully apprehended everything God wants for me or from me. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, some of you should probably say yes and amen to forgetting some of the things in 2020. Amen? But I want to draw your attention to something. The Apostle Paul does not qualify this statement. He doesn't say forgetting all the bad things. Anybody see a qualifier there? He said, forgetting those things which are behind. Why is that important to us? Because that means the good things and the bad things. It doesn't just mean the bad things. It means the good things. And in fact, sometimes I think the good things are more of a hindrance than the bad things. The bad things are easy for us to leave behind. Anybody who wants to relive COVID-2020 and the pandemic, there's something wrong with your mind and we need to talk. So I think most of us are not going to have a tough time leaving behind the bad things of any period of time. But what about the things you think you already know? What about the things that you think you've already matured in? What about the good things that happened in your life that are actually beginning to be a hindrance in your usefulness to the Lord? What about forgetting about the things that were previously driving you towards an end that was not from God, which you actually enjoy? You see, the Apostle Paul says here as he begins this passage, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He makes a distinction between the past and the future. And he does so, I believe, the Holy Spirit does through him for a very specific purpose. And it's very clear in what follows. And we're going to pick 10 things out of it. You see, the past is the past. For most everyone in this room, 
there are good things and there are bad things about your past. There are things that you wish hadn't happened and there are things that you're glad they did. There are things that honored the Lord and things that likely dishonored the Lord. We all have a past, but the past is over. The the past is done. Both the good and the bad, it resides in the past of our existence. And the reason this is so important is if you get hung up and weighted down in either worrying about the bad things or rejoicing in the good things, then you will not be doing what follows. You're going to be anchored to the past in that sense. We must take this view, reaching forward to those things which lie ahead. And repress then towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Notice the different perspective there. Paul's saying, I don't know it all already. I don't have it all together would be another way to understand I have not yet apprehended. I'm not fully complete yet. I'm not totally sanctified. My maturity hasn't reached its highest heights yet. I've not yet begun to do everything that God wants me to do. There are things both good and bad about my past, but my past is not the completed journey. It's only a part. And so in order to be focused properly, we have to be focused on the right part of the journey, which is still ahead, amen? We have a new year coming. That new year promises many things, some of them good, some of them probably not so good. But the question is, are we going to press on towards maturity in our lives so that God can actually do through us the things he wants to do? Or are we going to rest in what we did in the past? Are we going to stay anchored to the bitter parts of the past? Are we going to let the past affect us indefinitely to where we we simply are locked into the past? Or are we going to do what Paul's indicating here. This is a picture of someone towards the end of a race. We have the Olympics, we think, coming in 2021. Some of those middle distance races, like the 1500 meters, you know, they used to be called a distance race. Now they're a middle distance, or even some might say a short sprint. It's crazy how fast the 1500 meters is run anymore. And yet at the end, sometimes people get to the finish line And they have nothing left to press on with. They have nothing left to lean forward with. They cannot stretch to the finish line. They lose because they ran out of steam. They weren't able to press on. And so to some degree, I think the Apostle Paul is saying, look, this is a long race. There's going to be a finish line at some point in time. And we need to be ready to stretch out when we finally get there. Lean into what the Lord has for us, in other words. And so he sets the stage for what he's going to say next. As we press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call. We're going up. This world is not our home. This is not the final destination. This is a piece of the journey on the way to heaven. And therefore... He gives us these things that we'll pick apart individually. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, 
you see what's in view here. It's maturity. It's moving forward. It's being the best that we can possibly be. And if anything in it you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. And nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note, so note those who walk. For you have us as a pattern. For many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you again even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. The Apostle Paul instructs us, and I believe this instruction is going to be helpful for this new year. I want to give you 10 things from this passage very quickly that I think are issues of hope for us going forward in a new year. We are hoping for a very different prize than the world is looking for. Amen? The world is looking for fame, fortune, power, passion, possessions. The world is looking, in a general sense, for something very different than we are looking for as believers. You see, what I'm looking for is that upward call that I have in Christ Jesus. One day, I'm leaving this earth and I'm going home to my real home, which is in heaven. Amen? Sometimes I think we lose sight of that. And because we lose sight of that, the problem that the Apostle Paul brings up here comes into view for us. You see, our goal as Christians is to be ever reaching out, stretched out in this incredibly passionate adventure to live every moment of every day for everything that Christ has called us to. That's why he spent so much time in this passage reminding us, don't hang on to the past. Don't think you're already there. You're not done yet. You're a work in progress. Every person and every church can stand improvement. Amen? Why? Because we're on a journey. And that journey's not over. My hope is not that I've already apprehended. My hope is I'm getting better day to day for Jesus. My hope is I'm growing in Christ. My life is actually still being transformed by the renewing of my mind. Now, I think there are some things that God's worked out pretty well in me personally. I think I'm further along the, the path of sanctification than I was when I first gave my life to Jesus. I'm certain that's true. But I can also tell you that I'm still learning things about the Lord. I'm still learning things about ministry. I'm still learning things about the Bible. It's crazy. How many times I will read a passage and I will look at it and I know I've read that passage hundreds of times. If I've read it once, it's been hundreds of times. And I look at it, I never saw that before. Something new pops off the page into my heart, some new tidbit of truth that, that God wants to use. 
So the Apostle Paul says, make sure you're stretching towards the goal. You see, here's the problem. If I think I'm already there, then I'm going to have to answer to the Lord when I get to heaven. Because he's going to go, Jeff, what would you do with all that time that you wasted while I still wanted to do new things in your life? I wanted to do new ministry. I wanted to teach you things. I wanted to make you more useful for my kingdom, but you thought you were already there. Now, some of you in the room right now can identify, you know, I come from an age where we actually still use slide rules to solve mathematical problems. I remember when the first calculators came out. If you could get a small calculator, they were hundreds of dollars. As a matter of fact, Texas Instruments used to make one that was over a thousand dollars. It was about this big, and it could do all kinds of things, trigonometry and those kinds of things. Now your cell phone is infinitely more capable than any calculator I ever had in high school or college. Why do I say that? Because things keep changing. The world keeps moving on. Things are not as they were back in the 60s and 70s. We are definitely in a different place in our world. And so if I think that everything we do as a church is already as good as it can get, then I'm going to miss the opportunity to use things like podcasts. Some of you are going, well, you know, the internet's of the devil. You're right. There's part of the internet that probably is of the devil. Matter of fact, I could point you to some that is definitely of the devil. But I can also tell you that right now, this message is going all over the world through the internet. So if I sat around and it's just like, well, you know, the internet's of the devil, I might miss that opportunity. I might not get the chance. You see, if I think I've already apprehended everything I need to know about life and godliness and ministry and usefulness to the Lord, then I stop growing. And if I stop growing, I stop going. I just get stagnant. So the first thing we have to do is individually and corporately Keep stretching out the race isn't over yet. Keep challenging yourself. If you want to succeed and be better at anything, you must challenge yourself. A second thing. Notice what Paul says. He's working in us to make us into little pictures of the Lord Jesus. Amen? We're supposed to be Come like Christ. You're not going to become Christ, but you are going to become like Christ. That's the goal. That means holy. That means pure. That means loving. That means understanding. That means a whole bunch of things. If we're going to have the proper hope for the future, then we have to have the proper focus for the future. The focus for the future for us is to be more like Jesus. In everything, I want to be daily transformed into his image. 
I want to have all things work together to the good for those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. If that's going to be true, then my focus has to be Jesus. There's a lot of things in this world to focus on that are not Jesus, amen? Church, if we're going to see the likeness of Christ produced in us, we have to avail ourselves of living gospel lives, preparing ourselves so that our lives are ready to receive the things that God wants to do and reject the things that the devil wants to do in our lives. Sometimes the church is so malfocused. I know I have done this in my life in the past. It's like I'm so not focused on the things that I need to be focused on that I get focused on the things I shouldn't be focused on. And so I stop growing. I stop being more like him. Notice what the prize is here. It's the upward call of Christ. It's in Christ Jesus. It's the call of God that's pulling us to heaven is another way to look at it. Now, one day the church is going to be taken home. One day you're going to go home and you're going to stand the first thing that's going to happen. Jeff, nice to see you. Now give an account for everything that you did. What's that going to look like? Well, you know, back in 1984... What's that going to look like for you? What's that going to look like for us as a church? Are we resting on yesterday's manna? Or are we really pressing on towards that upward call? If I'm pressing on, then I'm pressing up, church. If I'm actually pressing on, I am also pressing upward towards the Lord vertically, things are better in my life than they were yesterday. That's how we can have hope for the future. You see, the past is done, but I can be more like Jesus tomorrow. Today, right now. A third thing. Notice there's nothing in this passage that points towards exclusivity. This isn't only for pastors. This isn't only for really solid Christians. This isn't only for people who attend evangelical churches. Every single believer is going to get this prize. We ought to all be pressing for the same prize. That's Jesus. I I want to long for his appearing I, I, I know someday I'm going to depart and be with the Lord. That's a, that's a fact. Whether the, the rapture happens or I go home to be with him, someday I am going to go home. But the question is, what am I going to do with what I have while I'm here? You see, I am going to get home. That's guaranteed by the cross. But what my life is going to look like when I get there what I'm going to be able to say to the Lord, Lord, these things were done for your glory. Or am I going to say, wow, I just barely made it. You see, I want to be able to point to my life and give an account for it and say, Lord, there was nothing left for me to do. 
I got no regrets. One of the tragedies, and at the same time, sometimes the blessing of talking to someone who's getting ready to leave this earth is either the tragedy of what they regret or the lack thereof. When you talk to somebody who's lived a full life and they've lived that life for the Lord, and they're like, I can't wait to see Jesus. I don't know what else I could have done. That is one extremely happy person. But when it's somebody, well, I wish I'd have loved my wife more, or I'd love my husband more, or my kids more, or I wish I'd have spent more time on godly things, or I had some friends and I know I didn't share, the, those people have regret. You don't want to have regret. You want to have done everything to reach that goal, not just get it because it's guaranteed by the cross of Christ. Now, let me be honest, it's not going to be easy every day. It's going to be a battle. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to train. And that warfare at times is going to be hot and heavy. It's been that way for many this year. still remains so. But the God who's calling us up has given us plenty of tools for the battle while we're still here. And you can find those tools. A, a fourth thing, my hope is that I've been supplied everything I need for the battle. Ephesians chapter 6 paints this picture of this spiritual armor that we can put on and the weaponry that we possess to fight, to run, to train, to press on. You see, part of the problem is a lot of Christians bump into one problem. It's like, well, it's just, I just can't do it. Something comes that challenges their salvation. They forget that they have a helmet of salvation. They forget who they are in Christ. It's like, well, I don't know about that. Or maybe something afflicts their heart. They forget that they have a breastplate of righteousness. They forget that their waist is girded with truth, that they have truth in a world of lies. They forget that they possess a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that's sharp. And it cuts both ways, dividing between joint and marrow, between soul and spirit. They forget that they even have the weapons to fight the fight with because they don't ever train. Church, going into this new year, we need to reassemble the pieces of the armor and put those puppies on because we're going to get challenged. We need to be ready for the battle that's going to be ahead. And instead of fighting from a deficit, fight with power. Say, look, you can't touch me. No weapon fashioned against God's church can prosper, says the Lord. But you better believe you're going to be in a battle. Don't think you won't. You will. So our hope is not in that we're going to have an easy, breezy life. My hope is that I'm going to have all the weapons I need to get through that next bit of warfare. Whatever it is. My hope is that I'm completely prepared for what lies ahead. But i got to work at it. A fifth thing. You can see this very clearly in this passage. 
I have to never, ever be satisfied with where I already am. Never. I have not already apprehended. I'm not complete yet. I'm not done yet. I'm still a half-baked cake in that sense. I'm still in God's oven. I'm still going through trials and tribulations, persecutions. In that sense, all of us are still growing. That process that began when you gave your life to Christ that we call sanctification, becoming more saint-like or saintly, becoming more like Jesus, you are never going to be done while you're still here. But some people think they're done. It's just like, well, I'm not going to put any effort into that anymore. You have to look at this as being wholly dissatisfied with where you are. And I don't mean holy as in totality, but holy as in holy before the Lord. If I think I can grow in holiness, I have to do something about it. Church, we're entering a new year. We get an opportunity to do a new start. And that new start ought to look different than the old one. Not a repeat. Not necessarily what's going to be easy either, I might add. But if we want to be the object here, which is perfect, we've got a ways to go. And we've got some areas that we can grow in. And I pray that we seize those opportunities. A sixth thing. Don't give back spiritual ground. You see, Paul points us towards continually pressing forward. That means you've got to realize the enemy's going to try and drag you backwards. We, we call that backsliding, right? Can I tell you the backsliding is not always sliding. Sometimes it's actively going backwards. We have to guard ourselves against that. I, I can't give back ground that I've already fought for. And sometimes we do that. Maybe you do it in a relationship. Perhaps you do it with something that you think, some habit. Some action that you undertake and the Lord's delivered you. But in that weakened moment, you say, well, you know, it wasn't that bad. And I overcame it last time. Don't waste time giving background you've already battled for. Press forward. Press on. Leave behind. These principles are so important if we're going to have a great effect in this world going forward. It's shocking to me sometimes when I talk to people that have claimed to walk with the Lord sometimes for decades. How little they actually have locked in. Why is that important? Because to the extent that you have something locked in, you can move on. But if you keep having to relearn it, it's not locked in. You've got to waste time going backwards. That's precious time in your life. It's time you could be used for doing other things. It's time where you could be bolder with your faith. It's time you could be a better witness for the Lord. It's time you could be a better parent. It's time you could be a better spouse. It's time you could be a better son or daughter. It's time you could be better used in the church, in the mission field. It is better spent in other places. And so the Apostle Paul says, 
press forward. Don't have to go back and rework that thing that God already delivered you from or already did in your life. Notice how Paul says this. He says, let us, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. If you've got another one, don't be pulled back by your pride, basically Paul is saying there in verse 15. God's going to show you your spots that need some work. But don't give him some other things to have to work on because you surrendered it because of your pride. I know in my own life, there are times, there, there's areas that's like, mm, you know, I caused that, Lord. That, was, that one's on me, God. Paul was patiently waiting for the Spirit to work in his life, but he was passionately doing what the Spirit told him to do. He was patiently waiting, but he was passionately doing. Those two things go together. Sometimes we just think that the Holy Spirit's just going to fix everything in our lives. Paul says, press on, move forward, push up, do the things necessary. If it's not helping your growth in holiness, then it is hindering your growth in holiness. If nothing else, it's just making you stagnant. A seventh thing. Follow good models. If you want to have maximum hope, follow people who are on the journey and doing it well. Follow people who are doing better than you are. Can I tell you that it's real easy to find people who are doing worse than you are? That's not hard to find. And sometimes in our desire to be heard, we seek out people who we know are not doing as well as we are. Why? Because when we talk to them, we feel better about where we are because we're doing better than they are. If you seek out role models in your life, as the Apostle Paul is saying here, people are doing better than you in their walk with the Lord and learn from them, you're going to be pulled along the journey that they're already on. If you anchor yourself to people who are not doing well in the Lord, then you will be pulled back towards the world. It's very simple. The old saying goes, you can't soar with eagles when you hang out with turkeys. Right? It's real hard to do that. You're not, going, you're not soaring. You ever watch a turkey try and fly? It's pretty amazing. They're a little ill-equipped, Right? You ever watched an eagle try and fly? They don't even work at it. Two flaps of their wings, they catch a little thermal updraft, they're soaring. You want to hang out with eagles. You don't want to hang out with turkeys. Follow good models. Choose your mentors slowly. Study their lives carefully. And then where they follow Christ, follow them. That's who Paul was. Anybody, I would have loved to. Can you imagine talking to the Apostle Paul? How did you get through that? They threw you in the Mamertine prison. They threw you, you and Silas were, were in the bottom of the prison. You're singing songs. How did that work? Talk to somebody who's doing well in the Lord. Endeavor, you see, sometimes we don't reach out. And because we don't reach out, we don't reach up either. 
It's not everyone else's fault that you're not growing. I've listened to this story frequently and often. Well, you know, nobody's doing this for me. There's no place in the Bible that says anyone is ever going to do anything for you. That's on you. You need to reach out. If you want to grow, reach out. Take the positive steps yourself. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Grow in his knowledge and his grace. And an eighth thing, and it's kind of the opposite of the seventh thing, you've got to be on guard for bad examples. Notice how the Apostle Paul gives both of them here. For many walk, I've told you often, now even weeping, they're the enemies of the cross. People who don't know the Lord are bad role models for you. That's why sometimes people say, well, you know, I listen to this music, I listen to this type of, I watch these types of movies. That is the same as doing this. It's like they're bad examples. What do you think is going to happen to your own character? If you fill your head with garbage, what do you think is going to go in your head? It's not that hard. They're enemies of the cross. Things that defame the name of the Lord are enemies of the cross. Things that are contrary to holiness are enemies of the cross. I'm shocked sometimes. People say, well, did you see this movie? I go, why would I watch that? It's like, that's from the pit. It's like, well, you know, it was a good storyline. Yeah, it was a demonic storyline on top of it. It's like, fill your mind with things that are above. Dwell on things that are good and noble and holy and of a good report, the Apostle Paul said. But if they're an enemy... The end of that is destruction, and that destruction is going to touch you. So if you want to have maximum hope, be on guard for bad examples. And I've watched this play out in this season that we're in politically. I've watched so many people abandon the cross of Christ and cling to the cross of politics. It's like, well, you know, if we just follow this person or that one. There's only one Lord. His name is Jesus. There isn't room for another. So don't abandon him to turn to some other type of theology. You see, we have to be on guard because the enemy's going to try and get us to change teams. And you can easily judge these things. You see, if you have hopelessness, that's from the enemy. If you're driven by your own human sensual appetites for power, passion, possessions, that's from the enemy. If you're dedicated to this world and not the other world, that is from the enemy. It's actually quite easy to see. You see, the future for people without Jesus is hopeless. The future for people with Jesus is very hopeful. The appetites that drive us as believers take care of our present. People without the Lord, their present is never satisfied, ever. And ultimately, their goals, instead of being heavenward, are earthward, and thereby they can be stolen, and the moths can eat them, and the rust can corrode them. Notice Paul's expectation in verse 20. 
This should be your expectation for the future. This is what 2021 actually holds for us as the church. Our citizenship is in heaven. You see, my expectation for the things that God wants for me is heaven. It's not earth. It's heaven. And and so my life is locked up in that. Now, I don't know how many of you have traveled internationally, but if you traveled internationally, one of the things is, you know, it's fun. It's enjoyable to travel, right? You go to some new country, but then after a while you realize there's no Mexican food in all of Europe. And you're like, this is not right what's going on right here. And you come back and you land and you go to the, and you see the thing that says U.S. citizens only. Isn't that the coolest line ever? And then you look and there's like 5,000 people over in the park, strangers or foreigners, and they're, they don't have the right passport to get into this country. And I'm not suggesting that they're of any less value, but I do feel special because I carry one of those blue ones with the eagle on the front of it. It's like I walk up there, scan my fingerprints, boom, I get in. In a very similar way, you are actually a citizen of heaven. You have a heavenly passport. This earth is not your home, and there are some things about here that are not cool. They're not happening. Remember that. Because if you start to get satisfied with what's here, you forget about where your real home is. Your citizenship is heaven. And we need to keep our eyes on heaven. One day we're going to go back and you're going to be going, praise God, I'm home. Don't forget where you belong. You were bought and paid with a price, and you're going to go home one day. Jesus is coming for you. That's the ninth thing. Don't forget, he's coming. Whether he comes and gets us all at once or takes you home, me home, each of us one at a time, the destination's the same. I'm going home to heaven. I'm not going to be like we were Last fall, we're traveling around with the family and we did this crazy European vacation thing where we booked everything on Verbo and just like, let's just get on a plane and go to Europe. We're driving around. We tried to find Mexican food in Switzerland. Bad idea. Okay, just saying. But me being the hunter-gatherer, I found a restaurant. I think Becca actually found this restaurant for us. Insure. So we get there. That is not a taco. (laughs) Then you get the bill. Oh, Lord. What is that? $30 nachos. Hot sauce. Ketchup plus salt. Ask about cilantro. Oh, you mean parsley? (laughs) This world is not our home. One day we're going home. 
We can't lose sight of that. As you get back and you're like, man, let's go to Red Onion and have something to eat. The Lord's going to come get us, church. One day we're going to be totally transformed into his likeness. I want to end with a little story that will tie all these things together for you. Because it really does boil down to a central thought, these ten things. The story is in a book about the life of President Jimmy Carter. He was interviewing for the U.S. Nuclear Submarine Forces with Admiral Hyman Rickover. and President Carter tells a story. He said he'd applied for the nuclear forces and he was sitting in a room by himself for about two hours and finally... Admiral Rickover came in to give him an interview and they sat there looking at each other for another hour or so. And finally, Admiral Rickover looked at him and he said, I want you to just choose some topics about which you'd like to talk and let's talk. And so President Carter began to talk about current events and seamanship and music and literature and naval tactics and electronics and gunnery and how submarines work and Every single time you bring up a subject, of course, Admiral Rickover was way more highly qualified in every last one of them. Finally, he looked at him and he said, how did you do in your class at the Naval Academy? President Carter actually looked at him and he said very proudly, sir, I stood 59th in a class of 820. You would say that's pretty good, you know, it's 90th percentile, something like that. Admiral Rickover looked at him, waited for about five minutes, thinking he would get some type of a, an approval from the admiral. And the words that came out of him floored President Carter. He asked him one question. Did you do your best? President Carter was about to answer, started to say, yes, sir. But then he recalled the many times that he didn't get an A on a test, that he didn't study about our allies or our enemies, the things that he didn't know, the things that Admiral Rickover absolutely knew more about than he did, and he gulped back his pride And he actually answered, no, sir, I didn't always do my best. The follow-up question is one for us. The admiral simply said, why not? Why not? Why did you not do your best? And so that's where it touches us. What is keeping you, what is keeping me, what is keeping us as a church from doing our very best for the Lord in 2021? What is it? What's in the way? What's keeping us from pressing on, moving forward? And I pray that in acknowledging that we can do better, because I will say, I can do better. Your pastor can do better, for sure. I can tell you we as a church, for sure, 
can do better in 2021. I know we can. So because there's a ways to go, and because our destination is heaven, and because the truthful answer to that question is the same for us as it was for President Carter, now I didn't always do my best, I can do better, then why don't we propose that we do better? Why don't we take these very simple things and press on in new ways? Move forward in new, new ways. Refuse to be anchored to the past. Not look at what we already are doing and say, that's enough. Let's be more in love with him. Let's be more gospel-centric. Let's do greater works than we've already seen God do. Let's the next time we're asked that question, perhaps it would be the time we can say, yes, Lord, there was nothing left I could have done better. I gave it my all. I ran to the end. And I pray that you're proud. Because that's a real goal no matter what happens in this coming year. That's something worthy of attention. And I pray that you'll take it up with me. That's going to be my goal for this year. I want to be able to say I did my best in everything, every way. And I pray you join me. Would you stand and we'll close in prayer. Alex is going to lead us in a chorus. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you that you're so patient and so kind, so generous, so gentle, so loving towards us. And Lord, I I know I haven't done everything that you've asked me to do and I want to do better. And so Lord, help me to answer that question in the affirmative. Yep, I did my best. Gave it all I had. I, I pressed on so that when we finally get to heaven, We can gaze into your eyes and not just hear you say, well done. But maybe perhaps, Lord, you'd be able to say there was nothing left to do. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the challenges and we thank you for the blessings. And we pray that as we enter this new year, that you would use us individually and this church corporately for everything that you have for us. Lord, we miss none of it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.